Welcome in to the Corner Three. Taking you around the arc of college basketball. From the NAAC to the Pac-12, the WCC to the SWAC. We cover it all now on 93.7 The Ticket. Here is your host, Austin Orman. That's right. Welcome to it. The Corner 3 on 93.7 The Ticket, theticketfm.com. I'm Austin Orman. You hear me during On the Block with Strick and Austin, two to four weekdays. Also uh, sitting in with DP and J on Old School from four to six here on 93.7 The Ticket, theticketfm.com. This little ditty we call it the Corner 3. Uh, is all about college basketball. We're getting there, right? College football season just started. Excitement is still high. I get it. I love it. Nebraska football's on the board, so the uh, passion somewhat reinvigorated this week with a win over the Huskies. But this is a college basketball-focused podcast. That's what we we hit on most times. I say we. You only see me right now, but waiting in the background, we've got Matt and Landon, the fellas, the homies. We chat everything college hoops. Uh, tonight's topic, the top front courts and back courts in the country, inspired by um, a different media outlet, but I know some of my thoughts varied from a couple of the lists that were put out, and I know Matt and Landon's lists did as well. So we'll dive into uh, each of us put together a top five front courts and a top five back courts in the country. We'll rank them, I'm sure, according to different criteria. Um, I'm factoring in benches into my not just the starting caliber players as well. That's obviously important, the frontline guys that are out there representing the team most of the time. But depth matters. It has to matter because at some point or another, each program in the country will be tested with, with an injury, with a with a suspension, with ineffectiveness. You got to have more than one option. So I'm including benches in there. The deeper the team, the better in my book. But uh, again, We'll get to those lists in our second segment. couple things to cover before we get there. Uh, first of all, earlier this afternoon on your radio dials, you heard the Royals take down the Guardians 6-4. to Brady Singer, not great again today, but the offense rallied in the late innings. So you heard that um, on the radio. And in Monday Night Football action, uh, right now it's the Panthers and the Saints tied at three early second quarter. Weird doubleheader going on. I think this is something we have to get used to um, we have the the Browns and the Steelers in a second Monday night game coming up later as well. We'll probably keep you posted on those scores throughout the show. Um, if you have a top backcourt or front court in college basketball, let us know, 402-464-5685, or in the comments section on stream, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter, all up and rolling for you. Um, it's up to your interpretation, right? Leave a comment. Explain it a little bit if you can. Are you going just quality of starters? Are you going quality depth? Are you going winners? Are you going stats? Let us know what your your criteria are for your front courts. Um, if I had to say for Nebraska, it's definitely going to be a backcourt oriented team. I think the the front court we just had Josiah Alec in there. He's going to play a big part. Juwan Gary in the front court as well. Rink Mass the transfer. Uh, Blaze Kada if he's able to stay healthy. Um, Bryce Williams, I think is a guy that can go either way, but I think he's definitely more perimeter oriented three and D type of two guard that I think will play some three for Nebraska. But on this show, you can go back and check out the podcast, wherever it is you get your podcast. We talked about just all the guard depth that Nebraska has. Um, you start with probably Jamarcus Lawrence, Bryce Williams would be my guess. Um, Casey Tomonaga, obviously in the mix there in the backcourt. I think then you have Sam Hoiberg. You got to factor in, um, 
plenty of other guys. Romel Lloyd Jr., don't want don't to leave him out there. Still no final uh, res- resolution on Aaron Eulis. I can only assume that he will, will not play a second of basketball for the Huskers, but I don't think we have official word on that yet. Last order of business before we throw it to a quick break and bring in Matt and Landon. Uh, I was sent this article comparing Colorado football to Duke men's basketball. Yes, let that sink in for a second. I I didn't want to rush to conclusions. I wanted to read the article, give it its due diligence. Uh, But let me just say, no, not going to shout out the author, not going to shout out the website. I don't want to give hate or spite clicks to it necessarily. Um, the 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 second to last paragraph, or no, uh, third to last full paragraph, says all the money, wealth, and privilege supported Colorado. Colorado is Black Duke, and ESPN praised Coach Prime like he's the second coming of Coach K. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? The two immediate comparisons that we use. Colorado are the LSU team that won the national title, won undefeated, broke every record out there in terms of passing offense, and Duke men's basketball? Really? After three games, that's the comparison we're going with. Coach Prime is like Coach K. All his players are entitled whiny, braggy, wealth, privilege, money. That didn't get built over three games, not even three seasons for Duke. Right? It just didn't. Duke was solid before Coach K got there, but that state was run by North Carolina. Even North Carolina State, Wake Forest had some history too. The ACC wasn't Duke's conference. Duke rose up under Coach K. Absolutely. But to say Colorado, after three games, is being treated the way Duke was at the height of its powers under Mike Krzyzewski, the way it's in the headlines now, really... That is a bold, bold statement to make uh, by this writer. I disagree. I don't have much more to say on it. I think we are putting the cart before the horse there a little bit, jumping the guns, and that was for clicks. All right, let's get to lists. It's list season. The offseason is uh, starting to draw to a close. We're getting down to, to fall practice time. We're about 50 days away from tip-off, give or take, but still this season. I've put together my top five front courts and back courts in the country. So have Matt and Landon. We'll throw it to break. When we get back, we will dive into those lists, go through them uh, between the three of us. And again, let us know your thoughts. 402-464-5685. This is the Corner 3 on 93.7 The Ticket. Back in just a sec. Back to the Corner 3 on 93.7 The Ticket. Here is your host, Austin Orman. That's right. This is the Corner 3 here on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. My first time running a stream from in here. Let's go to my left on screen, my right as I'm looking at it. Landon, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Uh, Congratulations, by the way. Uh, The new studio looks fantastic. It looks great in there. I was blown away when I saw the setup live for the first time. And uh, shout out to all the the folks at 93.7 The Ticket for everything that's gone on this past week because it's been really cool to see from my perspective. And yeah, by all accounts, everything looks great. And to your first question again, yes, everything sounds great and I can hear you just fine. Excellent. Let's go two for two. Matt, are we two for two? Well, if there's any sound troubles, it'll probably be on my end. So can you guys hear me okay? <laughs> yes. 
We are golden. Yeah, no, this the studio looks cool. It's you're so far away now, but <laughs> I, I mean, it looks better probably. I don't know. Uh, I'm just uh, I'm not. I'm used to you know being right up in your guys's grills, and it's like you, you took some space from us now. I guess it, it's just a step back. I created space with it. My handle. That's all I can say. You know, I can't help it sometimes. Just gotta make the open shot now. Yes, and that's what we're gonna do right here. We have our top five front courts and our top five. Backcourts. These uh, these tweets made waves with us. I know we've done some of this discussion off air. We're going to bring it to life here uh, for the Ticket family. I'll start with a few honorable mentions in the front court before uh, we run down the list. We'll go five, four, three, two, one. Honorable mentions for me: UConn, Donovan Klingenback, Alex Caravan. Fun. I just think there's more depth. Um, really good starting group, but I'm not sure if they have behind him. Indiana, fascinating additions of Kellel Ware and Mackenzie Mbako. Uh, maybe Anthony Walker from uh, Miami, Florida can do something. Rutgers, honorable mention for me. Cliff Amori back. Andre Hyatt had his moments. And Mawat Mag, I think, will play a role for the Scarlet Knights. My last honorable mention, Villanova. Uh, Hakeem Hart at the three. Lance Ware still intrigues me, former Kentucky guy. And then Eric Dixon as well. Number five for me, though, I've got Gonzaga. Gonzaga's my number five. Uh, Anton Watson, kind of that two, three type of guy, maybe slide up to the four sometimes. So I'm putting him in the front court really has developed there in Gonzaga, um, in Spokane. So I like him there. Graham EK, the Wyoming transfer makes his way up to Spokane as well. Very different player than what we've seen, uh, from Gonzaga, big man, big men in the past. So I'm curious to see what Mark few does with him and a guy by the name of Ben Gregg had some good accolades coming out of high school. He's developed behind the scenes. Gonzaga seems to be pretty high on him. So between those three, um, I think Gonzaga has a pretty good front court. I think Landon, you're up for front courts next. Uh, I believe so. Yeah. So I uh, have a few honorable mentions I'll burn through as well. Some of them are similar to yours, Austin. So I won't waste too much time. My big omission is Purdue. I know that's controversial. I talked about this off air with you guys. I am a big fan of evaluating the collective of a group as opposed to just one player. Mm -hmm. Zach Eady is fantastic. His development in college has been undeniable from when he first stepped in under Matt Painter, and he deserves an NBA look, and he probably will be a frontrunner for Naismith Player of the Year. But with that being said, I don't really trust the rest of the room. I don't really like a lot of what's there. Caleb First is okay depth and and Trey Kaufman Ren is an exciting young piece but that's my big I guess I don't have Purdue in I also don't have UConn there similar reasons to what you laid out Austin also in this sort of tier for me um kind of looking at big groups um, rather than just one individual player I also don't have Creighton or North Carolina in my top five um Kalkbrenner's really good but I'm curious to see what they do outside of him and who steps up at the four whether or not Isaac Trout can be that guy or if it's a guy like Mason Miller or somewhere else with North Carolina I feel like Armando Baycott it's a really proven commodity at this point you know what you're getting there isn't really a lot outside of him uh, I know they brought in a guy from Louisville um that should be a fun little addition there but kind of curious to see how that all you know gels together and I don't really know how to feel about North Carolina on the whole. Um, and then the other one I just wanted to shout out here too quickly are Wisconsin. They could be really fun, especially if the Gus bus gets rolling, as mm -hmm. well as UCLA. They brought in a seven-foot-three Spanish Spanish kid that's supposed to be a top uh, – his, his name's escaping me, but he's supposed to be a top – he's like a top-five projected lottery pick. Plus, they have Adam Bona back, who was really good last year yep. until he got hurt. Um, 
For me, though, number five was one that was not on the field of 68s uh, list at all. Uh, and that's Michigan State. Uh, call me lame if you must. I was really surprised to see the Spartans not mentioned at all here on this list. Um, Maddie Sissoko and Malik Hall were both awesome last year. Uh, really quality pieces, um, and they bring in a potential first-round draft pick in Xavier Booker. See his name mocked towards the end of uh, first-round NBA lottery, not lottery, but NBA draft projections. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be a really, really complete group, and Michigan State's going to be a really, really complete team. Uh, I'm giving them a lot of love in both this and my uh, in my backcourt rankings as well. Uh, but that, those three guys are going to comprise a really solid group, and I think with the proven commodities you've got there, especially with Sissoko and Hall, the Spartans for me, number five. I like it. Um, Michigan State for me is actually, I, I had them at number six on mm-hmm. mine. So they were that team that, you know, really just missed the cut. Uh, some other ones that I'd like to mention for honorable mention, uh, Kentucky just, I mean, they have – really high potential, but, you know, they also had Ugano and Yenzo. He's having foot surgery. Aaron Bradshaw had foot surgery. Uh, there's Zimanamir something uh, from <laughs> Eastern Europe <laughs> who is... Uh, who plays the role of bouncer. All sorts of admissions issues at Kentucky right now and might not even show up. And if he does, I have no idea if he'll even, you know, play. If, uh, if he's even, like, someone that cracks the rotation this year. And then also, I mean, I think the one that I'm probably most sure about is I think Justin Edwards is also, you know, you know, a potential top 15, like lottery pick this year. If, if it goes well, he's, he's got the build and seems to, you know, be a really good team player that, you know, will do whatever role is asked of him. So I, I have them as an honorable mention as well. Some other ones I had uh, Texas A&M. Just with uh, with Julius Marble and Henry Coleman, former Duke uh, player Henry Coleman. Yep, <laughs> uh, they're just a team that uh, I'm just kind of curious to see. You know, do they take that next step? They really disappointed me. I thought they had Final Four potential last year, and then Penn State just shot them right out of the tournament in the first night of the tournament. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of surprised their season ended like that. Uh, and I'm curious just to see, you know, how, how things go for them this year. Um, I also had Gonzaga on my honorable mention. I really like Anton Watson just in that he – I always enjoyed when he would come in for Drew Timmy in the games because it was <laughs> like, okay, the grown-ups are here now. Like right. none of this that stuff. He is just there to beat you up and swat your shot, and I very much respect that. So – uh, but that earned my honorable mention. Another one, Auburn. Quietly, Johnny Broom was decent last year. Maybe they're okay again next year. I think they're bringing in a couple other. Uh, they added a little bit more to their front court too. I'm not completely sure on that, but just Johnny Broom in general, uh, I, th- I thought that that was worth uh, a mention too. But I actually do uh, – I actually ended up going with UConn at number five for mine just because – I mean, I looked at some of these other ones and I thought, you know, maybe, you know, Michigan State forces them off the list, especially. But it's like at the end of the day, like, you know, Caravan and Klingon, they were just good enough, in my opinion, in the tournament. Maybe it's because, you know, Sanogu wrecked so much damage that it made things easier. But I just 
don't know. It's hard for me to to go against them when you know they they've had a year or two to learn from you know really talented big men, and I think uh, they got a lot of potential this year. So I'll, I'll give them number five. Number four for me was the team I was really looking for a reason to keep off my list, and that was Purdue. Edie was just so dominant. You can't deny the numbers. Mason Gillis was up and down, but guys like him usually come around the older they get at Purdue. So I'm giving Matt Painter the benefit of the doubt with him. And maybe this is my Nebraska bias talking here, but Trey Kaufman run was a bowling ball that did some some mean things to Nebraska at times last year. So I think he's a good physical presence, different than Edie, obviously not as tall, not as long. Um, but, but I do like that addition for him behind the scenes. So I've got Purdue's front court at number four for me. Are we? Yeah. Um, so my number four is Texas. Um, I, the Longhorns are another team that I really like don't think are getting valued as high, especially in the front court. Um, Honestly, I was really, really surprised to not see them anywhere on the top 20 graphic that, you know, sort of sparked this discussion, but they have some dudes uh, in the in, in the front court on this team. Um, Dylan Disu is back. He was nails down the year, mm-hmm. just totally destroyed teams. Uh, unfortunately, towards the back end of Texas's NCAA tournament run, he got hurt. Um, which I think really, really hurt their chances, um, you know, late in those games against long athletic teams like Miami, uh, which, you know, obviously Texas had that game in control, but having a 100% Dylan Dissu would have helped there. Um, Dylan Mitchell is back. He's a guy that could take a big year to jump. He's a super explosive athlete, um, showed lots of promise and potential in year one. Uh, Brock Cunningham is still there. I of course dislike he is. him so much. <laughs> he should not be playing college basketball still, but that dude figures out ways to make big plays late in games, no matter what is happening. Um, and so him and his, his magic. Uh, and then you bring in a guy like Caden Shedrick from Virginia, in the transfer portal, who's a huge still mad about that. Player. Yeah. Rim protector. Um, that's going to be a really nice, and he's, he's got a pretty unique skill set that I think will translate really, really well to the big 12. There aren't a lot of guys like Caden Shedrick in the big 12. Um, and then you also have, hold on back to the notes here just for a second. Um, yeah, that's it. I think Texas has a really great front court. Um, it's one of the best in the country. I think it's a top five group. Um, so I have them at four, mainly just because I'm a big Dylan Disu fan. So that could be the recency bias talking, but I love where the Longhorns are at ahead of this year. That was a really good pick that uh, that really kind of made me realize I can't believe I didn't even think. I also can't believe I didn't think about Texas uh, for this list, but that that's a that's a good one that t- to really keep in mind, I'd say. Um, number four. I think I'm going to go off script. I had Creighton. I really like Ryan Cockbrenner. He's just I think tall. Frederick King also uh, has a lot of potential. And I honestly, I trust Greg McDermott to, to really develop him. I mean, he does a pretty good job of developing these big men. And I mean, King showed flashes when Cockbrenner was hurt, but I'm going to throw him in my honorable mention now, just because I am kind of in the same way. I forgot about Texas. I just remember that Arizona has Umar Balo back, and um, they also added Kashad Johnson from the transfer portal from San Diego State. So a, a wing that will give you some, you know, really good defense, which is something Arizona desperately needs. Uh, 
and also just a really good uh, glue guy. But I see also, again, I haven't done my research on the, you know, the international newcomers yet, but I see a bunch of them for Arizona. And I'm guessing a few of them are at least, you know, six, eight or taller. And usually Tommy Lloyd knows how to develop those guys into just world beaters. So I'm just going to trust him to continue, you know, the big man machine uh, at Arizona. And I'm going to put him at four, just, you know, right off the cuff here, honestly. Let's quickly not forget, by the way, uh, Shimmick Karnowski, Gonzaga legend, is on staff at Arizona. Uh, That's right. Helping a lot of international recruiting. Yeah. Um, His legendary performance against Oklahoma State and whatever NCAA that was. (laughs) Uh, it's still been graved in my memory. Uh, but yeah, no, there was one night where it, he joined staff like in February too. It was a very <laughs> weird timing thing. But yeah, no, he's yeah. on staff at Arizona playing for his old uh, coach, I guess, assistant coach, uh, mm-hmm. coaching under Tommy Wood. So that um, that international recruiting thing that Arizona's doing, I kind of wish I would have included them too because I really like Keyshot Johnson a lot. But uh, I just wanted to throw in that little nugget about Shimmick Karnowski, so... It's stuff like that that's the reason people listen to The Corner 3. Again, Monday night, 7 to 8, 93.7 The Ticket, wherever you get your podcast later, you find out where Karnowski ends up. All right, number three, this is where I've got Duke. I think uh, between Mark Mitchell and Kyle Filipowski, if those are Duke starting four and five right there, I love that offense. Defensively, though, I think Mitchell's best is a three. Put him on the other team's best player. I think Filipowski is athletic enough to handle most fours. Ryan Young isn't going to stop anybody at the rim, but he's a good old man YMCA offensive rebounder type game. I'm curious to see uh, the development of Christian Reeves. Seven foot one, 250 pounds, probably going to be that that less athletic, little bulkier, traditional rim protector type of guy. Like Derek Lively's skill set in a Jalil Okafor body sort of thing for Christian Reeves. Um, The real rim protector, though, is Sean Stewart, who is a a top 25 recruit in this class. He's only 6'9", so he'll play a lot of the four, but I think he's going to be that primary rim protector. And a guy that isn't being talked about enough out of Durham, TJ Power. Think he looks kind of similar to Luke Kennard, but in a Jason Tatum body. A little taller, a little more filled out than Kennard was wouldn't shock me if TJ Power ends up A, starting, and B, averaging double-digit points per game. Just just a lot of unproven, though. Be, beyond um, that, that Filipowski-Mitchell duo that I really like and Ryan Young's, I guess, necessary inclusion on this roster as podcast host for the, the Blue Devil Network, it's a solid group. I, I think I like what Duke's rolling out there, even though, you know, a Caden Shedrick would have been a huge pickup for this team or uh, the TCU guy. The guy that went to T- uh, Uday. Yeah, Uday. Either Uday or Shedrick, I think, really would have rounded this roster out. But despite that, I think it ended up in a pretty good spot. My uh, my number three is Gonzaga. Uh, I'm really high on what the Zags have cooking in the front court this year. Um, similar to what Matt said, I won't retread on it a ton, but I think Anton Watson's going to be awesome this year, getting to lead that front court finally now out of under Drew Timmy's shadow. He was crazy efficient last year. I didn't have the time to dig up all of his efficiency numbers, but he shot like 63% from the field. Like when he was getting looks in and around the in and around the rim, more often than not, he was finishing those plays off. And having him be the guy now, I'm really excited to see um, how he leads that group. Graham Ek is a guy who I loved at Wyoming. Um, 
was a big part of that NCAA tournament little brief foray they made along with Hunter Maldonado. I believe he was also battling some injuries last year and Wyoming basketball kind of sort of fell off a cliff. Um, so I'm really curious to see how he bounces back there. Um, I don't know where Steel Venters is going to fit into Gonzaga's front court if he does it all. He's a 6'7 wing from Eastern Washington, really good shooter, um, was kind of deployed a little bit as a three, a little bit as a four, a little bit elsewhere. That's a name to watch, as well as John Siok Yo. I did uh, a little bit of the Twitter digging here. He's an international prospect. He's a six foot eight um, player from South Korea. He joined Gonzaga midway through last season and redshirted. Um, a lot of folks around the Gonzaga program kind of think that he has the potential to be somebody off the bench. Um, he represented South Korea internationally at various levels too. Anyways, of course, uh, Austin brought up Ben Gregg earlier too. That's your classic six foot 10 bruiser uh, size bulk um, sort of guy in there. Um, and yeah, I think it's a really complete group. You've got a lot of different guys that can do a lot of different things. Uh, they've all kind of bulked up too. I found a tweet um, just weights of Gonzaga's front court. Uh, Brayden Huff, who's a guy I didn't mention. That's a, another younger guy, 242 pounds. Graham EK, 240 pounds. Ben Gregg, 230 pounds. Anton Watson, 228 pounds. And John Siokyo uh, at 215 pounds. It's a, it's a lot of big dudes inside. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think Gonzaga is going to have a complete group and a fun group this year. And I have them at number three. All right. Uh, my number three, I, I, th I like Purdue. Although, I mean, the more I think about Purdue at number three, especially with mainly because it's really because they, you know, Zach Eady, mm -hmm. but at the same time, it's like, if I want to pick them just off of one person, I should also keep in mind, like Florida Atlantic basically has Zach Eady and Vladislav golden as well. So, but I think I'm still going to stick with Purdue just because again, it's, it's almost just trusting the coaching and that Matt painter knows how to use these seven plus footers and, you know, turn them into, you know, all Americans or national player of the year level players. And I, I'm sure there's more coming behind them as well, but honestly, Zach Eady alone is, is enough for me to put Purdue at three. Love it. We're about halfway through uh, our front courts list. Stay tuned. We'll go through the back courts as well. Number two for me is Kansas. Hunter Dickinson. We know about him. That, that's a big ad. They're really high on KJ Adams, who I need to see more from. But again, that's an athletic guy that I think can play a role. If Adams and Dickinson are both on the floor, I'm a little worried about Kansas's spacing offensively. But I think those are two good players there. And if Zach Clements, of all people, is your third big man, maybe not the best place to be. But I think Dickinson is just so good and not something the Big 12 has a lot of. He'll be able to put up uh, numbers with his ability to stretch the floor a little bit. Adams is a small ball five if Dickinson's off the floor in foul trouble or, you know, taunted one too many times, ran his mouth one too many times and gets technicaled off the floor. I think Kansas could do some interesting stuff. So I've got the Jayhawks at number two. I have Duke at two. Um, I probably won't add, add any more interesting commentary that Austin didn't already hit on. Um, but it's a really fun group. Mark Mitchell's a dude. Kyle Filipowski should be your front runner for national player of the year. I did write down the name TJ power because I remembered you talking about him way earlier on this summer and like yep. July during one of our first couple episodes. So that's a guy that I'm really interested to see, especially because Ryan young, while good, you kind of know what you're getting with him. Um, 
potential is rather limited. So if one of those younger guys can step up off the bench in the front court, um, that's really going to make Duke's group scary um, with the talent they already have. Uh, so I put Duke in two. I'm going to agree with Austin here, actually, and put Kansas at number two. Um, I will ask for a real quick clarification. What exactly is Ernest Uday back at Kansas? Do I remember that correctly? He went to uh, TCU or Kansas State, one of those two. Oh, yeah, it was TCU. Okay. Yeah, TCU, I was, yeah. I was getting mixed signals on that earlier today when I was looking it up. But I'm I'm skeptical. Eventually, we're going to have to discuss Kansas on this show. Oh, we will. Don't uh, worry. I'm skeptical on if it's going to work, especially because I – I'm about as high on KJ Adams as I was on, as I am on Anton Watson and that I think he has the potential to be like a first team all American. And I'm just kind of curious if, you know, bringing in Hunter Dickinson alters that development or if it enhances it. So I'm not sure how that's going to play out. And it's honestly fascinating to think about on top of, you know, everything else going on with the program lately. It's, it's becoming a little more bit of, of a question mark than it was before. And they lost a lot too. I mean, they lost some wings, they lost some backup big men. So I thought Kansas was going to be my number one, but honestly, I think they're number two. And frankly, it's the fact that, you know, you do have two very different types of big men in Hunter Dickinson and KJ Adams that both are, I mean, lack of a better word, just awesome when they're on the court. It pains me to do this. I tried to not do this, but I think I have to. I'm going to give Carolina the nod as the number one front court. Baycott is essentially as productive as Zach Eady, maybe even a better rebounder on a permanent basis, offensively and defensively. Um, you get Harrison Ingram in. I trust that pedigree transferring in from Stanford. I really like that addition for them. Jalen Washington, freshman to sophomore, curious to see what he's about. Um, then you get two other transfers that, that have my attention. Jalen Oconquo from West Virginia. That's a guy that I think can do really well behind Baycott in some situations. But Jalen Withers from Louisville. Pretty much everything going on in that program is a mess right now. It was no good in any facet last year. I'm willing to give a guy with that pedigree a little bit of a pass. Hubert Davis has got to prove he can make something of him, but that's a lot of interesting options. Um, whereas Derek Lively kind of shut Baycott down last year. This year, I give the front court edge to Carolina in that Tobacco Road rivalry. Just a lot of different guys, a lot of different things they can do with that front court in Chapel Hill. Yeah, I uh, also hate to do what I'm doing at number one, but I have Kansas, Barf, I know. I've got a <laughs> lot of picks on these top fives. When we'll, we'll get to the backcourt that I just despise, but going with my theme here of returning, um, the name Parker Braun hasn't been brought up yet, but I'm going to... Like younger Christian? Uh, yes. Oh, uh, wonderful. Christian, Christian Brown's brother. Um, I'm not just bringing him up because I like the name. Elias uh, is hosting an EV ride and drive event. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, Parker Braun committed to Kansas uh, this offseason, which is one of the more like underrated transfer portal moves. Uh, he has been a couple of different places. He was at um, Mizzou for a brief stop and also Santa Clara, where he was quite productive last year. And he gives KU something that it hasn't had in quite some time, which is an experienced 
big man to bring off the bench. Uh, a lot of Bill Self's last couple of years, he's kind of been relying on younger guys to hopefully pick up the pace and just be ready to go when their number's called. Um, but having a guy like Parker Braun to bring in really, really boosts what their front court could be. Um, and after reading, you know, KJ Adams and Hunter Dickinson are obviously remarkable players. And if they're really going to be utilized in the pick and roll, and that's going to be a thing that happens, like, KU might be a bit of a death star. Um, and then, of course, Zach Clemens, who has gotten experience through getting chucked in uh, in moments <laughs> where his numbers needed to be called. Um, that is a really solid group. It's a really scary group. Uh, also throwing in Kevin McCuller in the mix, too. He's a wing. He might play some four, but he's been around the block a bunch and played a ton of college basketball. So uh, together, the Kansas group uh, in the front court is scary. It's good. It's the best in college basketball. And I hate myself uh, for putting it there, uh, but it's what needs to be done. Uh, that's a good group. And yeah, I, I mainly wanted to hit on the Parker Brown edition because that's a big one. And that's going to be a real boost for Bill Self this year, I think. We may not be unbiased, but we sure are fair. Correct. <laughs> Respect to that, Landon. Uh, my number one, I'm actually going to go Duke. Um, I just, I think this, the sky's the limit for Phil Powski this year. And I'm, I think also just with the the backcourt they have as well, it's really gonna uh, it's really gonna open things up for that front court to shine and you know really be. I don't know. I feel like the backcourt's kind of built to you know put a lot of production into the front court. If if that makes any sense, uh, I also again great nugget on TJ Power. Uh, very excited to see what he does. But honestly, this is also kind of. A little weird, but I just have a hunch. Like, I don't know. I feel like this Duke front court has. I, I really hope I don't jinx this, but I, I almost feel like they have a really good shot at just you know staying healthy the whole year, and that alone makes me uh, like really like this group. The hope is that Filipowski and Mitchell got their injuries out of the way, and Ryan Young Young is just a brick wall. Past that, I don't know. Good stuff on the front courts there. We're going to take a break. When we get back, we're going to do the back courts. This one is another one I think we're going to be all over the place on, but in the best way. Differing opinions, different ways of grading these. Uh, I'm Moss Norman, joined by Matt Hardesty and Landon. This is the Corner 3 on 93.7 The Ticket. Getting into back courts in just a sec. Back to the Corner 3 on 93.7 The Ticket. Here is your host, Austin Orman. That's right. We're back here on the corner three, going over some top front courts and back courts. I'm Austin Norman, joined by Landon Wirt and Matt Hardesty. Okay, we did the front courts. Now to the back courts, your guards and some of your, your threes in some cases. Honorable mentions, no particular order here. Uh, I've got UConn as an honorable mention. Tristan Newton and Hassan Diara are back. Tristan Newton is fun. Hassan Diara, just a, a dog on the defensive end. Uh, number nine overall player in the class, Stefan Castle, commits to UConn. Curious to see what he does. Um, and Solomon Ball, another guy as well. Uh, Florida Atlantic has everybody back. That's a group that needs to, to prove it again. But I, I think we need to give them at least some degree of their flowers. So they're on my list. Marquette, just by virtue of Tyler Kolek, he's fun. Curious to see who else steps up around him. Uh, Penn State, you get Ace Baldwin Jr. in from VCU following Mike Rhodes. You also add uh, DeMarco Dunn and Puff Johnson playing a lot of that three. So I'm curious, curious to see what those guys do with the fresh start. 
and begrudging props to Creighton. Baylor Shireman and Stephen Ashworth, I'm curious to see how those two work together. That's a lot of shooting range. Trey Alexander uh, probably sharing some point guard duties with Shireman, maybe Francisco Farabello in the background as well. But Trey Alexander is a guy that I I think definitely gets drafted this year, late first, early second type if he plays up to his capability. Jumping into my top five, though, I start off with Sparty. I do. A.J. Hogart is back. He's definitely the leader of that group. I was a Jade Nakins fan. Not surprised to, to see how his freshman year went, but I think a year of growth will be good for him. Uh, Trey Holloman, as a freshman, I think could be a dude that plays some good minutes for them. And Pierre Brooks, a different type of guard, bigger body. He'll probably play some two. He's 6'6", six, six, um, 220 range, I think is what he was listed at. Michigan State's going to be good. Uh, one of you mentioned their front court. Uh, Malik Hall is a guy I didn't know what to do with necessarily. Was he a three? Was he a four? Um, so I threw him in the backcourt if you want to throw him, or in the front court if you want to throw him in the backcourt, I'd buy that. Michigan State's good. They're better than I gave him credit for um, early in the offseason, so watch out for Sparty. Uh, Matt, how about your honorable mentions in number five? All right. I have a lot of the same honorable mentions. I almost put UConn in my top five, but I, I think Stefan Castle will be pretty good. But again, there's a lot of competition for this. Um, another one I have, uh, I mean, I had Marquette as well, uh, very close. I'd probably have them at my number six for this. Uh, I also had Arkansas. They intrigue me. They get Devo Davis back this year. They've got, I think they've got both of the Brazil twins, if maybe just one of them. Uh, and then they also added Tremone Mark from Houston, uh, L Ellis from Louisville, who mm-hmm. was pretty much their whole team at times last year. And then Khalif Battle from Temple. So just all in all, kind of a – and there's – I mean, they have – they always just have a whole stable of guards. So I, I think in the end they'll, you know, once again have great guards by March. Just a matter of uh, how long it takes to get there. I also uh, – I've got to put Arizona on the the honorable mention list with, uh, with Caleb Love – and Jaden Bradley, I really liked Jaden Bradley at Arizona or Alabama Bama, earlier. Yeah. Um, and then I'm going to throw Maryland down there too. I they're bringing back some guys, uh, Jameer Young, and I just I don't know. I thought you know with Kevin Willard especially, like he's another guy that really has been pretty good at uh, at developing guards, and I think they're bringing in some freshmen too. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to just have kind of some blind faith in, uh, in Maryland there as well. Uh, but my number five is going to be Houston. Uh, and it's really two guys, Jam- Jamal Shedd, who was awesome last year. Uh, I'm so glad that he's back. And then they go and add LJ Cryer from, from Baylor. I think that's going to be a backcourt that's going to fit right in, in the big 12. Uh, it's not going to be like this Saturday night where, uh, it was like Houston TCU being a big Big Twelve game, still just felt weird. But uh, this Houston team in the Big Twelve is going to fit right in, especially with this backcourt. I really, really like where your head is at with Houston, um, Matt. I'll just say that much. Um, but quick, quickly with my honorable mentions, um, I'm not showing the SEC a ton of love here. Alabama was a name I wrote down. They've got a lot of experience. Obviously, Mark Sears has been there for a while, but before that was in Ohio. They bring in Latrell Wrightsell, Aaron Estrada's there. Um, I don't have Kentucky in. I think 
Kentucky is a team that probably will get very, very good as the season goes on. And I'm sure that by the time we get to like January or February, I'll look kind of dumb for not including <laughs> here. At least you um, admitted okay. it. You're good. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, I also do Texas A&M in the mix. They bring a lot of pieces back from last year as well. I'm quickly touching on a few things in the Big 12. Jameer Nelson Jr. is at TCU, which I didn't realize mm-hmm. he was really fun last year. They also snagged Avery Anderson. Sad. Transfer portal. Um, that's a really fun one-two tandem. Max Aismas at Texas. I don't think the tandem is there to justify them being in the top five, but that's you know worth a shout. Kansas, I did have in, but now with the Arteria Morris situation, not so much anymore. Going to see how that goes. Marquette, I also have in the honorable mention category. Austin kind of hit on all of my Marquette-related thoughts. And I also included Arizona. And then quickly, too, I just wanted to shout out uh, both San Diego State and FAU. Uh, San Diego State took a little bit more of a hit in the portal, especially with some of its guards. Um, But FAU brings back everybody from last year's team, as we've discussed. Um, They're my number six, Elijah Martin, John L. Davis, Nicholas Boyd. Um, That's a pretty good trio. You'd be hard-pressed to find a bunch better than that. But I do. Uh, At number five, I have Creighton. Um, It pains me to do so. I don't like that I have them in. Um, But you got to shout out Greg McDermott for what he did replacing my Nemhart in the transfer portal. I kind of thought that was going to be a catastrophic deal, but it really didn't end up being so. Uh, Baylor Shireman, not really sure how he'll be deployed, but he's going to be a guy to monitor on the perimeter. Steven Ashworth, while I think that there's going to be a bit of an adjustment period there going from Mountain West to Big East Ball, um, he's a really solid distributor. The shot making for him will come with time. I'm almost sure of it. Trey Alexander's a stud. Francisco Farabello really stepped up as a shooter for them last year. Um, so I think that they have a really solid um, contingent of guards, and, and I like them at five. I've got Kansas at number four. Uh, Dewan Harris is, I think, the basketball equivalent of what we all thought Stetson Bennett was going to be, not what he actually was. Game manager, you know, doesn't look like a whole lot. Um, maybe he's an Iowa quarterback, how, how best to describe him. As long as he takes care of the ball, his team will function. But if you take everyone else away and make him beat you, I'm not so sure he can do it. I'm a little lower on him, which is why they're at number four for me. But uh, with Kevin McCuller back, I like that for them, that versatility. I put him at the two. He played a lot of that last year, but the ability to slide anywhere from the two to the four is huge. And Nick Timberlake from Towson. I'm, I'm glad Carolina didn't get him. Again, kind of like Ashworth, the, the adjustment period is going to be real. But I think between those three, that's a pretty good, pretty good group for Kansas to run out there and what I think will be their closing lineup. All right. First off, I want to say that's the first time I've ever gotten to actually pause for station identification. <laughs> so that that was a highlight, a uh, highlight for me. Uh, personal goal achieved. We make uh, dreams come true here at ninety three seven. The ticket. Best ten seconds of my day so far. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, my number four, just to continue with uh, the absolutely going off the rails that it, this might be going off. I'm going with Memphis. Uh, that's another team I would love to really dig into more because they have had an absolutely fascinating offseason where they have just added anyone and everyone, old and young. Uh, they went out and they got Caleb Mills, you know, Houston, then Florida State. Uh, they added David Jones from St. John's late. Uh, they added Javon Quinterly from Alabama, who's still in, in college. Uh, and then they also still bring back Jaden Hardaway. So just all around fascinating team. 
uh, that they brought in a lot of players. Um, and again, also kind of, uh, on the Memphis note, I'd like to just throw in too, like everything we've seen with, uh, I mean, everything that we've seen with Colorado football is kind of what, you know, we expected to see with Memphis basketball straight down to the, you know, hyped up recruits like five years ago. So it's, it's kind of a fascinating what if to think about, you know, you know, what, what happened if Memphis actually did uh, land the hype instead of, you know, become what it is now. But, uh, but no, I think honestly with that, you know, core of players, they, they could have a, like, I think they might actually have a top five backcourt in the country somehow. Hmm. Yeah. I like that Memphis shout because you're right. That, that kind of was what a lot of people thought would happen with Penny, but you know, hasn't quite panned out that way. I have Tennessee at four barf again. I know. hate this. Um, I couldn't do they, that. They, were, they, were, they return a bunch. Um, Santiago Vescovi, pretty proven commodity you know, kind of uh, inconsistent at times that, you know, we're going to get with him as a shooter. I really like Sakai Ziegler. Uh, I, that kind of bombed Tennessee's chances of making any sort of run mm-hmm. um, last year with his injury late in the season. I just, ugh, I, I can't stand, you know, giving praise to Rick Barnes. Coach team. <laughs> and I really do like their guards, um, especially Jordan Ganey, big fan of him at U- USC upstate as a big South basketball watcher. Um, he was very, very fun. Uh, USC upstate had some spunky runs in the big South tournament. Uh, he made a couple of big shots last year in the big South tournament as well. Um, so I think he's going to fit in quite nicely with the, solid contingent they have um yeah i hate it but it's a really good trio um and i think it's going to be quite productive so i have tennessee at four that is an oversight of mine i forgot to even look up the volunteers because i just forgot about zakai ziegler and just how important he was to that team i will stick in the sec for my number three i've got kentucky here antonio reeves is back they got him back from the transfer portal he is not at illinois state he is not anywhere else he is in lexington kentucky Put it to bed. Antonio Reeves is a Kentucky Wildcat. DJ Wagner, stud. Rob Dillingham, probable stud. Adu Thierro, Justin Edwards can play the two and the three, uh, you know, in some guard positions. Oh, and Reed Shepard, Matt, that's a guy you turned me on to. Reed Shepard is going to be a guy for Kentucky. You called your shot. I will, I will follow you in the layup line with that one. So I think especially come conference play, Kentucky's guards are going to be capital G, capital double O, capital D, good. All right. Well, I'll get to Kentucky in a little bit. They are not my number three, but you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to reciprocate the favor here. And I, I have Duke at number three for my guards. <laughs> um, and it's kind of the same thing. They bring back a good mix of, you know, experienced players, Jeremy Roach. Uh, I'm trying to remember who else. Wow. I'm blanking all of a sudden, uh, you know, Tyrese Proctor is another one that I'm really fascinated to see if he, if he takes that next step and then just bringing in, you know, uh, you know, McCain and then Caleb Foster uh, it's, it's a, it's a fun group that again, I think, you know, especially with having, you know, a well-established front court presence, it's going to really help out the the backcourt as well. And those just, those two are really going to complement each other. Well, and I, I, I like the roster makeup of this Duke team and it's, it's almost like they have a, a GM of some sorts in charge of, of, you know, constructing a team instead of just having the coach, you know, do it on his own. So uh, yeah, Duke's my number three. 
I have Michigan State at three. Mm. Uh, Walker, Akins, and Hoggard are as good of a guard trio as you're going to find in college basketball. Uh, Austin mentioned Trey Holloman, too. That's a guy that's a really intriguing young piece. Freshmen seem to always have interesting roles in Tom Izzo coach teams. Um, so I'm curious to see how he's deployed. But yeah, Michigan State's got a deep group. I really like the Spartans this year. They're going to be a top five team, and they've got a top three backcourt, in my opinion. Houston's my number two. Uh, Jamal Shedd, really good. Um, a uh, American Defensive Player of the Year last year. That's going to translate. LJ Cryer knows what the Big 12 is like. That's going to translate. Watch out for Terrence Arsenault. Really came on at the end of last year. That's a guy that's going to play a big role. A little longer, a little more athletic than those other two guys. If they bring back Tremont Mark, uh, Arsenault's probably coming off the bench like he did last year. But I am all aboard the Terrence Arsenault hype train. I think he's really the swing guy for Houston in their chance to dethrone Kansas, as all three of us will be rooting for them to do in year one of the Big 12. I'm starting to wonder if maybe I underranked Houston. <laughs> um, but uh, my number two, uh, I'm going with USC. So at the end of the day, I mean, I think a lot of times, especially in this stage of the transfer portal era where you've got so many players that still have eligibility because of COVID. We kind of overlooked the fact that the best players usually only stay in college one year. So you can probably guess who my number one's going to be as well. But my number two, I'm going with USC just because by all accounts, I think Isaiah Collier is going to be a stud. He's, Good. I believe consensus number one ranked point guard yep uh he was very impressive in the aau circuit he was impressive in the mcdonald's all-american game uh i like his size seems like he can shoot i'm excited to see him develop uh but also i mean that that front court's also got boogie ellis still somehow somehow that guy is still in college kind of fun uh who knows if ronnie james is gonna play i'm not even gonna dip my toes in that but if Ronnie James does play, then pretty much all of this Dion hype train for Colorado is just going to go right down the road to L.A. And we're going to be living with uh, pretty much USC basketball getting that level of attention for uh, the level of team that they are. So I, I'm excited, though. Again, it's the fact of the matter is he's probably one of the best point guards in the country. So I'm going to put him number two on my list. And don't forget, he's playing for future Team USA head coach Andy Enfield. Oh, gosh. Yes, exactly. <laughs> about that? People, he's got America on his side. <laughs> people? Just saying. People are forgetting about that. Uh, I have Duke at two. Um, that's a really another solid collection of guys. Uh, again, uh, with my Duke commentary, I won't be able to offer anything more astute other than like Duke and Michigan State are two teams I really like. They're really balanced. Uh, and Duke, um, Jared McCain is going to be fun. I'm not really sure where he's going to fit into the fold in the lineup, especially with like Jeremy Roach and Tyrese Proctor probably going to be guys that start. But um, they, they, those three guys are superstars. Um, so, you know, that high-end talent um, has Duke, you know, at two for me. So, All right, Duke analysis. I have him at number one. I, I try not to homer it, but I, I looked at it. Add, add the, the fairness and a little bit of the bias to it here, but Roach and Proctor won the ACC tournament together. They did it. Roach was hurt. That moved Proctor to the one midseason, and that clicked. Tyrese is probably the better ball handler, probably the better passer. If you put... 
the opposite mindset and the opposite player, you know, kind of kind of, you know, body or soul swap them, whatever you want to do. It would be more traditional, right? Roach is shorter, uh, but with more of a combo guard mindset, whereas Proctor's got a few inches of height, a little bulkier, but has more of that traditional um, point guard kind of mindset. Tyrese is going in the lottery this year. I'm telling you right now, he's got the handle. He started knocking shots down. He's got the bag, um, the floater, the finishing package. Maybe not the best on ball defender, but he got his fair share of steals. I am so high on Tyrese Proctor that the steady leadership of Jeremy Roach is going to be big. He came up in big moments in Duke's Final Four run a couple years ago. Kind of thought it was time for him to move on with all the guards that they brought in, in McCain and Foster, but it's hard to complain about having a guy like him back. McCain and Foster really fascinate me. Any other Duke team in recent memory, those guys are both starting. I think McCain's more the true point guard type, kind of steady, solid, reliable, maybe slightly bouncier than a Tyus Jones type, maybe not quite as good a passer, but that that kind of mold. Foster is more in the, the Jeremy Roach mindset coming out as a scorer. Um, shot, obviously, like any freshman, has to be worked on a little bit, but a little more athletic. So those two guys would be starting on... of the teams in the country and probably 90% of the Duke teams of years past. Um, And then even beyond that as depth, Jalen Blake's I wish was Jordan Goldwire, which is a really weird thing to say because I was never happier than when Jordan Goldwire left town because I think the fact that he was so valuable to that RJ Cam Zion team defensively made Coach K play him at the expense of other guys who would have opened up the offense. So I respect Jordan Goldwire. I love him. It was time for him to go, but he was steady. He was a good defensive presence. He was just solid. Jalen Blakes is very erratic. Not what you want out of a backup point guard um, or a third point guard. Some some manic energy out of him. Interesting piece to have around. Don't know what he's about. And obligatory Duke-White two-guard. Jaden Shute is still around, comprising the, uh, the Joey Baker, Alex O'Connell type role. Got some run towards the end of last year. I don't know if he's going to be anything more than a spot-up shooter, but he started finding the range at the end of last year, so I wouldn't be shocked to see him get some end-of-clock, end-of-half sort of looks for Duke, and he'll probably hit a stupid one at some point. So I, I love that there are six legit options for Duke in some form or fashion, and I think that's really going to help him play up uh, throughout conference play. All right, Landon, if you pick Oklahoma State as your number one backcourt, there's going to be some questions, okay? Because I am going with uh, with Kentucky as my number one backcourt, and it's kind of the same logic as USC in that I think just Reed Shepard, not Reed Shepard, uh, <laughs> DJ Wagner is just that good. Uh, I think he's, you know, he's been groomed for this role pretty much, you know, since he was a kid, and he had an outstanding high school career. He was a proven winner at, out in Camden. And again, he's, I mean, in lack of a better word, he's a dog. He's a little undersized, but he can play defense. He's selfless. He knows how to run the offense and just, yeah, again, he's exa- he's everything you want in a point guard. Then you throw in, you know, Antonio Reeves, who I know he is just, you know, a transfer from Illinois State. So other places, I mean, there's other there's other transfers that are better, but also he is still the best available shooting guard 
in the transfer portal <laughs> as of this moment. So that's quite the get for Kentucky to to land him, even if he could leave at any time. I mean, he could be gone tomorrow for all we know and finally enroll at like Michigan or Illinois or one of these other Big Ten schools. That's Indiana's the other one, I think, is uh, is still in on the Antonio Reeves sweepstakes. So if he leaves, that's uh, keep that in mind. Uh, but, I mean, you said it earlier, Austin, I'm, I'm high on Reed Shepard as well. Rob Dillingham, I have – there's been questions on him from, uh, you know, what he showed up in Canada a couple months ago, just in that, you know, he kind of needs to be a shooter, and that's not exactly his game. But at the same time, he's a he's a shifty guard that on any other team would be the number one point guard. So to have him as a backup, I mean, they've got the depth, they've got the athleticism, and frankly – you know, they've had one, if even. So, I mean, last year, Cason Wallace was a lottery pick level point guard. And other than that, they didn't have anyone years before that. They haven't had much. This year, they've got guys that, you know, will be first round NBA draft picks. So I'm I'm going with, with Kentucky on this one. Yeah, uh, I don't have Oklahoma State. Sorry to stand for that mood. Um, but I have I have Houston at number one. Um, I am very, 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 very high on the Cougars this year. I think they have the best collection of guards in the Big 12. Um, here, you know, henceforth, best collection of guards in college basketball. They have a fun group. A lot of this hinges on Terrence Arsenault. Buy stock now is all I'll say there. <laughs> he is a fun wing, super talented, super athletic. Um, that's a guy that can really shoot up NBA draft boards with a solid season this year, and he's going to be a fun piece to watch. But the main three guys, Jamal Shedd, LJ Cryer, and Damian Dunn from Temple. Damian Dunn was, I don't know, have his scoring averages in front of me, but he was at least a 15 to 17 points a game guy at Temple. Um, LJ Cryer has been fantastic at Baylor for the, the last few seasons, and Jamal Shedd is your, your seasoned leader. Um, they've got a really complete group. They also have Emmanuel sharp who came off the bench a bunch last year as a sixth man was a pretty integral piece for them um, especially in the ncaa tournament when houston dealt through some dealt with some injuries which knock on wood is the only thing i think that's preventing this group from running it back getting a high seed and making a real run at this thing in the ncaa tournament this season i think houston's group is complete the only thing that worries me a little bit with them is the outside outside shooting but i think the addition of lj crier really helps is going to help that out a little bit um they've got complete skill sets they have multiple different types of dudes uh, and again terrence arsenault is the piece that i think really takes that from a good group to a great group um, and i think houston with all that experience uh for me is the best backcourt in college basketball there you go our list of the top five front courts and backcourts in all of college basketball thanks to matt Lanon for jumping on if you missed any of the show want to go listen back to any of it you can do that on a 93.7 The Ticket, uh, anywhere you get your podcasts, right? Uh, Spotify, Apple, all those podcast platforms. I'm sure we'll tweet it out in a clip from it coming up soon. Or just go back and rewatch the live broadcast, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, or Twitter. It's archived for you. You can find it there. For the fellas, I'm Austin. We got the captain coming up next, Heart of a Husker with Vershawn Jackson. It's been fun. Stay tuned right here to 93.7 The Ticket.